Wow. We should do the let's go thing early, y'all. And we're going to do that. Go ahead and open to Romans 12. Ah, all right, all right. Get some pep in your step. Come on now. Worshiping Jesus. If you're new here, go ahead and fill out the connect card in your seat. We would love to help you get connected uh, to what God's doing here at City Light. We would just love to help you navigate your life and learn what it means to be loved by God. And so please fill that out. We would like to give you a gift in exchange on your way out uh, so that we can help you make progress wherever it is that you are in your spiritual journey. Uh, Today we are going to be in Romans 12, and so I hope you're working your way there. Uh, we're continuing for today and next week. These will be our last two weeks on the, this, the series the Lord has been leading us through called Follow Through for us to make sure we're following through with everything the Lord is teaching us and giving us experientially. Uh, I find this more and more important because it has become a consistent theme for people to be around or apart. We even had a bunch of church planners in here all week, and so it was super fun. We uh, Tuesday and Wednesday... Uh, We use the building to encourage and to help people kind of find their calling in life as church planters uh, so that we can be a part of the process of leading and helping people uh, make more churches, start more churches for the sake of God's glory. Uh, And so there are about 12 people going through what the North American Mission Board calls assessment uh, to be able to solidify the calling of these church planters and to encourage them and help fund uh, the work. And so uh, the Lord is using this building for not only services and to serve our community, but even things like that. Uh, and the consistent theme all throughout meeting and talking to people was, wow, the Lord's really doing something in City Light. This is so encouraging, you know? Even when they walk into the building, it's funny. It's like I can, something's going on here. They can almost feel it. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, and I don't want us to take this for granted, that the Lord, by the work of his Holy Spirit, by his sovereign prerogative and his choice, is deciding to do something uh, here in the midst of us. And so we want to make sure we're rooted in the word of God as we navigate the experience the Lord is giving us. So uh, the last few weeks, let's go over this. We've talked about the power of Thanksgiving and how Thanksgiving is a trampoline into this supernatural experience with God. We've talked about uh, we need to worship in proportion to who God is and what God has done. So our worship should be proportionate. If God is so great and if the gospel is such good news, then our worship should make sense in light of that. And so to be kind of half interested or to appear to be bored while singing about being saved from hell, those things don't seem to mix. Those don't go to to be sort of into it while singing about God's greatness doesn't seem to make sense. And so we all have different levels of expressive expressions. uh, But the, the biblical theme seems to be that our is should be that our worship should be in proportionate to who God is and what God has done, in proportionate to his greatness, in proportionate to being convicted in our sin, in proportionate to God's holiness and us realizing how unholy we are. All of these things should match. And so if we're convicted, we should be really convicted by our sin. If we're rejoicing, we should really rejoice. You know what I'm saying? Like you should be full throttle on all these things. Uh, Next time we talked about what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth from John 4. Uh, We're just walking through the Bible. What does the Bible say about worship? Last week, we talked about worshiping with reverence and awe from Hebrews 12. And today, we're going to talk about how worship is a lifestyle. That's the name of the sermon today, that worship is a lifestyle. Because we've talked a lot about the power of the gathering itself. We've talked a lot about what does it mean even to sing or to express ourselves unto the Lord. How do we respond to the word of God being preached? All of these different things are worship. And this gathering is certainly a time of worship. Of course it is. 
But what we want to see now throughout the scriptures and what is very important and what we have touched on to some degree is that worship is a lifestyle. Your whole life and everything about your life is an act of worship. You worship with your habits. You worship with your schedule. You worship with your daily decisions. You worship with your time. You worship with your talents. You worship with the things that you treasure. You worship with the desires of your heart. You worship every minute of every day. The question isn't, are you worshiping? It's what are you worshiping? Worship is a lifestyle. And as we've been talking about, I cannot emphasize this enough, uh, the power of our corporate times of worship are in large degree determined by the power of our weekly worship. You say, what can I bring here to City Light? And certainly there are wonderful things you can do. You can serve. You can be involved in kids. You can do a million things. You can worship. There's a lot of things you can do. But the main thing you can do is pursue the Lord Monday through Saturday and show up hot and ready. Show up cooking, all right? And that's going to benefit the congregation so much. And I don't think this gets talked about enough, and I'm becoming more and more convinced that the power of our gatherings themselves will be limited by the power of our life during the week. And we'll either just keep raising the ceiling, not because we're perfect, but because we're pursuing the Lord, repentant, honest before him, desiring him in the word of God, in prayer, gathering in lighthouses with other believers. We're making these things rhythms of our life. And so when we come together, something happens that could not happen if we were not pursuing those things during the week. And so as we're going to see from this text, and as we've been seeing throughout the scriptures, The Lord is looking not just for a church service where people worship him, but for a group of people who always worship him. He's not looking just to say, well, what's going on on their Sunday mornings? Do they worship me in spirit and in truth? Can I pour out my spirit to bless their work? He's not asking that. He's asking, is there a group of people who worship as a lifestyle in spirit and in truth with reverence and awe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? I cannot overemphasize the importance of this. This is partly what we mean by don't spectate, participate, is for you to be totally engaged with the Lord and to bring that fire with him into settings with other people, to bring the fire of the Lord in your heart into your lighthouse and to bless your lighthouse, to bring the fire of the Lord into this corporate service, to bring the fire of the Lord in your heart into a time of serving our community, for you to bring that And for that to be the thing that turns into a blessing for those around you. And so, yes, serving kids. Yes, serving worship. Yes, help make coffee. Yes, help greet. Yes, be a part of teams that reach our community. Yes, come to our events to reach our community. Yes, yes, yes. Yes to all of those things. We're going to talk about those a little bit even later. But mostly yes to you pursuing worship as a lifestyle so that when we gather together, we are the the, the gatherings that we have are more impactful, more supernatural. The main thing that you need to bring to a Sunday morning is a heart fully alive in Jesus. That's what you need from me, and you know that. You don't need a few witty phrases, and you don't need, what do you need when I get up here to talk to you for a little while? You need me to have a heart fully alive in Jesus. That's the only thing you need from me. And everything else flows out of that. To say, okay, well, the sermon could have done this, you know, he could have said that better, all that. doesn't matter if... My heart is fully alive in Christ, and I can bring you something from him for you. And now I just want you to apply that same principle to yourself and to everyone here to say that you will be blessed 
if you come, if somebody else comes with a heart fully alive in Jesus, you will be blessed if you come passionate for Jesus. The gathering will be impacted by your level of devotion to Jesus. And once again, this is not a burden to go be perfect or to be the best Christian in the world. Absolutely not. This is an opportunity to go enjoy Jesus and the gospel and to live for him. And to let that not only bless your life, but to bless those around you. And so I cannot overemphasize that enough, but let's look at the scriptures. Let's let it teach us. Once again, what Nate Crew thinks doesn't matter to you, or at least it shouldn't. Uh, and what God thinks is of the utmost importance. So Romans 12, we're going to look at it piece by piece. We're going to do the whole thing. So the first two verses say this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Here's the phrase, which is your spiritual worship. And so, right, we look at John 4, and Jesus says, well, this is how you worship spirit and truth. Look at Hebrews 12, and it says, acceptable worship is done with reverence and all. Now Romans 12, how do we worship? What is spiritual worship? What does it mean to worship according to the Bible? That's what we're learning. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to stop there for a moment, and I have three different aspects for us to follow through on, three characteristics of worship being a lifestyle. We're going to work through them one by one, but the three things are sacrifice, service, and surrender. Three characteristics that we want to live by to make sure worship is a lifestyle are sacrifice, service, and surrender. So the first one is this. Worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice. Go ahead and write that down. Worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice. So we're letting the scriptures define what is worship, and what does he say? He says... Present your body as a living sacrifice to God. This is your worship. I mean, thank you, Lord. It couldn't get more clear. We don't have to guess. Huh? What is it? How do I worship God? My goodness, it's not a question. It's not even that. Look at this. He says, okay, if you present your body as a living sacrifice to me, then that will be an act of spiritual worship. Now, I love this because this is body and soul stuff right here. God is a whole body God. And he's saying, if you present your body to me, that will be an act of spiritual worship. That will be an act of spiritual worship. Listen, spiritual worship often looks like physical sacrifice. He didn't say if you present your soul to me, which is obviously true and part of the equation here, but he's being specific. If you present your body to me as a living sacrifice, this is an act of spiritual worship. And so spiritual worship often looks like physical sacrifice. To spiritually worship is to physically go be amongst the poor. To spiritually worship is to physically give your money away. To spiritually worship is to physically get up really early like the band does at 6 a.m. and to get here so they can be ready to serve you. To spiritually worship looks often like going home as a father and taking care of your family when you're tired after a long day of work. Being spiritual often requires a physical sacrifice. This makes it so tangible and simple to say, if I lay down my body and my everything, if I lay down me for the sake of the Lord and for the good of those around me, this is an act of worship to God. 
Remember this phrase. He says, holy and acceptable to God. We talked about this last week, that we do not bring to God what is acceptable to us. We bring to God what is acceptable to him. And so if that's the defining mark of good worship, right? We don't walk into this and say, is this gathering acceptable to me? Not important. And we don't, we don't say, well, is, is this kind of way of life or this thing I'm doing acceptable to me? That's not important. The question is, is this acceptable to God? And so we come into a gathering and we say, okay, is this acceptable to God? And then we live our life and we say, is this acceptable to God? Spiritual worship often looks like a physical sacrifice. And it's a physical sacrifice to lay your life down on the altar for the good of those around you and for the glory of God. And so if to honor the Lord, you sacrifice for the good of others, you are acting in worship. To honor the Lord, because it's for him, you sacrifice your body for the good of others. You sacrifice your energy, your time, your desires, your wants and needs, you sacrifice that for the good of others, that is an act of worship. That is an act of worship, just like any other thing you would think, to gather together and to raise your hands because your heart's fully alive to Jesus being glorious. It's an act of worship. Spiritual worship often looks like a physical sacrifice. And on this point often, especially to husbands and fathers, want to challenge the men to really die to themselves so that their homes can be homes of worship. This is very important because if we are not cultivating homes of worship, we will not have a house of worship. If we are not cultivating homes of worship, we will not have a house of worship. And the Lord has given husbands and fathers the both privilege and obligation and responsibility to cultivate a home of worship. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. You, don't, you could be a Christian for two days and do this. Go home, die to your own desires, and serve your wife and your kids. I think that's what the Bible means when it says man up, you know. It's not to go get a big truck, you know, which if you have a big truck, awesome. Praise God for the big truck. It's great. I have a small truck. I don't know if that counts, but, but to say to you husbands and fathers and to those of you who are growing into those roles and desire to be that one day, spiritual worship often looks like physical sacrifice and you spend so much time trying to figure out how to read the Bible to your kids, which you should all the time. But you haven't considered the fact that you could worship by coming home and just doing the dishes, you know, like by playing with your kids when you're tired. These are very important. And so for you to say, my job as a husband and a father is to literally lay my life down on the altar when I get home. And if you do that, your home will flourish. And if we have homes of worship, we will have a house of worship. And so obviously there's a great role for women and children in this as well, and we will discuss that. But I sense from the Lord there's a great need right now to put a challenge in front of the men in this congregation to say if you care about the worship of this house, then you need to care about the worship of your home. Spiritual worship often looks like physical sacrifice. 
Now, how do I do this? You say, this feels like a burden. Look at this in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so now, right, worship is a response to the revelation of who God is. And so now that happens right here to say, this is what the Lord is like, and I respond to that. But that should happen every day in our life to say, I lay my life down for those around me because God has been so merciful to me. And so I'm not acting as a hero. I'm not acting as like a, as I'm just trying to do hard things, but I'm responding to God's mercy. And so I see how kind and gracious and wonderful and forgiving God has been to me. And then I respond by putting my life on the altar for him. But if I'm not continually looking at and enjoying the mercies of God, I will not have the internal motivation to pursue obedience to God. And some of us are trying to obey God without enjoying the mercy of God. You're trying to do the right thing and be a good Christian and be a good leader without ever enjoying God's love for you, without letting the love and the mercy and the kindness of God be the very thing that you're responding to every day. Because if you simply try to act out of self-discipline or out of a desire to be a good person or even to be a good Christian, it's not going to do it. But if your motivation is the mercy of God, then you will respond rightly in worship Worship is a lifestyle because God is always merciful to us. And so we always have opportunities to respond back to him. This act of worship, as the scripture says, is holy and acceptable to God. I want you to also notice that this is a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. It doesn't just burn out quick and then it's over. It isn't just to get through a little pain for a moment and then be finished. This is an entire life. This is, I don't lay down on the altar and then get off when it gets hot. I lay down on the altar and I commit to it, even when it hurts. It's a living sacrifice. Therefore, every day I make a decision as an act of worship we make decisions as act of worship whether we are going to live as a sacrifice today. Will I put my body on the altar today for the good of others? Will I put my money on the altar today? Will I put my time on the altar today? Will I put my dreams and my ambitions and my goals and my desires? Will I put my wants? Will I put it all on the altar today? Or will I hold it for myself? And every day when you wake up, you are making a decision as to whether you want to give your life over to God as a sacrifice or whether you want to hold it for yourself. And that decision is an act of worship. It's a living sacrifice. Now, this may seem very difficult, and it is. And that's why you need the reflection on the mercy of God. This is the beginning to say, how in the world am I going to wake up every day and live every day putting my life on the altar? How does a human even do that? I would totally burn out. This wouldn't function. And you're right, it wouldn't work. And you're right, you can't do it. And you're totally right, this is a huge burden, if not for the mercy of God. 
If not for the gospel of God, if not for God's promise to strengthen you, if not for God's love for you, if not for God's forgiveness of your sin when you don't do it the right way, this is all part of the equation to say, in light of God's mercy to me before, in light of God's mercy to me now, and in light of God's mercy to me tomorrow, I will lay down my life as a living sacrifice. I will surely mess this up, and I will not be perfect, and I will have times of great selfishness, and there needs to be repentance, but God's mercy is in that place. Therefore, I can go lay my life down as a living sacrifice. Now, the only way to do this, look in verse 2 as we finish this point, is to not be conformed to the world, but transformed to God. Here's something for you to understand, is that you cannot live a new life with an old mind. You cannot. He says, I want you to worship like this. And then your question should be, well, how do I do that? And he answers you in verse 2. Well, the way you present your body as a living sacrifice and the motivation, all that, is the mercy of God. The how-to is to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed to God. In what way? According to the mind. So there's something about the way you think every day that's going to determine whether you offer your life to God or not. And you cannot live a new life and I mean this every day, offered to God with an old mind, a mind of the flesh, a mind of my old habits, a mind that likes to do what I want to do. You see what I'm saying? And so now, without the word of God going and constantly coming into your life, you will not have the power of a new mind. And if you don't have a new mind, then you can't present your body as a living sacrifice. And if you can't present your body as a living sacrifice, you can't worship. You see what I'm saying? So the word of God comes in. It transforms my mind. It helps me think about the mercies of God. It helps me think about heaven. It helps me think less about myself. And now this comes in, and it gives me God's perspective. Jesus says, if you want to save your life, lose it. And so I say, oh, okay, that, this is opposite day. This makes sense now. So if I sacrifice and lay down my life, I'll actually get my life. If I sacrifice and serve my family, I'll get my family, you know? If I sacrifice my wants, I'll get what I need. You see what I'm saying? If I give all of myself away, then you know who's going to fill me up? The Lord, who's really bad, good at it. He'll fill me up better than anybody else can and better than the world can. And so if I go out and I sacrifice to him, the scriptures give me all these promises about God's faithfulness to me and the strength of God and the kindness of God and the foreverness of heaven. And so now I say, well, this hurts and this might hurt for a little while. This might hurt for several years. This might hurt the rest of my life, but heaven's very, very long. And so I am making choices to to produce an inheritance to say I'm going to lay down my life now as a seed in the ground that will bear fruit over time that I will enjoy forever. But I won't think that way if I'm not reading my Bible. I just won't. I won't do it, and I'm a pastor. You won't do it no matter what you do. We're not going to think this way because we heard a sermon on Sunday. You're going to forget what I said by Tuesday. You'll have no idea. And maybe you'll be, if I met you on Tuesday and said, tell me what I said on Sunday, you might be able to come up with one of my Dr. Seuss phrases that rhymes, and it's stuck in your head. And you might give me a general idea, but that's not going to be what's really cooking in your life. It'd be better to say, well, what'd you read this morning? What's the Lord taught you? What did he teach you through the word yesterday? How do all these things might line up with what we're talking about on Sunday? 
This is all very important because you cannot live a new life with an old mind. You cannot live a life of sacrifice if you're not motivated by mercy. Your mind has to be transformed. I can't do that, and you can't do that, and a church can't do that. The Bible does that. The Bible does that. It's the only thing that really does that. And so I cannot emphasize this enough. You need a transformed mind and perspective. Because you might feel a level of conviction. Let's say you're a husband or a father, and you feel like, oh, yeah, you're right. You feel a level of conviction right now to say, I need to sacrifice for the good of my home and cultivate a house of worship in my own house. I need to do that. But you know as good as well as I do that that the feeling that you have right now and that motivation is going to pitter out, you know. It's going to fade if you don't take that and present it to the Lord and then go get in the word of God and let God continually say that to you. You know what I'm saying? And so if you really want to see your life change, you need to give yourself to the word of God because you need a new mind. You don't need a better mind. You don't need a mind with good advice in it. You don't need new, you need a new mind. I need a new mind, and I need one every day. And I cannot live a new life with an old mind. And so worship as a lifestyle of sacrifice. Often spiritual worship looks like a physical sacrifice. Consider in your life things that you could sacrifice and lay your life down unto the altar for the Lord. The next one, worship is a lifestyle of service. Let's read these uh, next five verses. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we may have many members, the members do not have all the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. This is a very important four words. Let us use them. Remember, if you don't use it, we lose it. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So let's stop there. So write it down. Worship is a lifestyle of service. So worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice. Worship is a lifestyle of service. The thought process of Romans 12 goes something like this. Worship is to present your body as a living sacrifice. A great way to do that is to go serve someone. As a matter of fact, God has given you gifts to do just that. You see how it goes? Worship is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, that sounds great. It also sounds kind of up there in the sky. Okay, how do I do that? And then he says, oh, look here. Here are the next five verses. God has given you some gifts. You should use them. You should use them. And this is true of every Christian in the history of existence. God has given you a gift. And the practical way to offer your body as a living sacrifice is to use the gift that God has put in you. It is to be active in service, serving the body of Christ, serving in a worship service, serving in a lighthouse, serving in your community, serving your friends and family. A practical way to present your body as a living sacrifice is simply to wake up and to pursue serving other people. Just to say, I live today to serve others. I basically make myself everyone's servant. And that's my mindset. That's what he says that we should have throughout the day. Now, his opening sentence is important. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
And so to serve others takes a very important characteristic called humility. But get this, being humble should not be hard if you're on an altar. You see what I'm saying? I just put myself on the altar today. So at that moment, with me laying on the altar, burning up, being humble is not very hard because I already put my life on the altar. Do not think of yourself more highly than you are because if you're proud, you can't serve people. Serving takes humility. Now, this is very important for us now because this concept saying, if I put my life down on the altar, then a byproduct of that is I'm not going to think too highly of myself. And if I don't think too highly of myself, I have no problem serving others. Even if they're jerks, even if I think they're beneath me, I have no problem serving others because I'm on an altar. And so now I have the perspective I need to have throughout the day. Therefore, you should write this down. To worship is to look for an altar to lay down your life, not a platform to lift up your life. To worship is to look for someone to serve, not for someone that can serve you. To worship is to look for an altar to lay down your life, not to look for a platform that can lift up your life. To worship is to look for someone to serve, not to look for someone that can serve you. And this is really the heart of true and honest worship before the Lord. Because true worship says, not to us, not to us, but to your name give glory, Psalm 115.1. True worship goes into the day with a mindset completely on the glory of God and the good of others. So to be a person of worship is to not happenstance be put onto an altar, but to look for one. To be a person of worship is to wake up out of bed and just throw yourself on the altar, you know. But so often, and social media definitely helps us do this in ways that are not good, we're looking for a platform upon which to lift up our life as opposed to an altar upon which to lay down our life. And if you're looking for a platform to lift up your life, you will never be able to live a lifestyle of worship because worship comes on the altar, not on the platform. And so consider in your heart now whether you are using other people or using different things to lift up your life or if the goal for you on a daily basis is to lay down your life. Do you constantly look for someone to serve or do you constantly look for someone to serve you? Worship is a lifestyle of service Now, you see here it says we are all given different gifts. And these gifts are in accordance to the faith that we have. So you have a group right here, okay? And each one of us in Christ, to those of you who are in Christ, to those of you who are not in Christ, you need to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the Lord will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give you a gift of God. But to those of you in Christ, you have a different gift, And not only do you have different gifts, but you have different measures of them. Some of you will have more faith than others. Not because one of you is holier than the other, but because your gift has a greater measure of faith. You see what I'm saying? Different gifts and different measures. So if you come in here with the same gift, you probably have a different measure. See how it works? Therefore, the puzzle only goes together 
if we all bring our gifts and use them according to the measure we have been given. You have a different gift than I do. And if you have the same gift that I do, it's in a different measure. And so I need you to bring your gift, even if it's the same as mine, because it's a different measure than mine. You need everyone in this room to bring their gift, even if it's, in, even if it's the same, because it's a different measure. The important thing about this, notice the adjective he uses, is he, he gives each one of them like an adjective. If you lead, do it with zeal. You know? So if you're going to lead, no, you know. No matter how you feel, I've had to learn this a lot in life. I can't lead according to the measure of how I feel that day. I can't. That's just not going to work, you know? I'm a human too. I have highs and lows. I have to lead according to the measure of the gift, and I have to do so with zeal. It doesn't benefit you for me to be ho-hum, you know? It doesn't help you. And I want you to apply that same principle to yourself, you know? If I came in here, I was like, well, the Lord is okay, you know? Just, you know. Everybody rejoice unto the Lord, you know? Like, I don't know what, <laughs> you know? That doesn't help you. But it's the true the other way around, you know? If you bring a half-hearted interest in using your gift, it doesn't help, help us. And so for us to go all in on this, if you lead, do it with zeal. If you're merciful, do it happily with cheerfulness. Don't begrudge being merciful. I have to forgive you. I have to be kind. No, do it excited, an excited mercy, a zealous leadership. If you serve, like serve, give it all that you have. Therefore, the question then for us is not only what we are doing, but how are we doing it? And so we evaluate what we're doing. We also evaluate how we are doing it. God wants you to bring everything you have to everywhere you go. You know what I'm saying? Everything you have to everywhere you go. And so if you're here serving on a Sunday morning, man, serve with all that you have. Give it all that you have. Don't do it half-heartedly. If you're going to serve your family, give it all that you have. If you're going to use the gift God has given you to teach the Bible, then teach. Do it with authority. If you're going to serve, then serve with a smile on your face. These are the things God is asking us to evaluate. It's not just what we do, but how we do it. But I want you to see from the text that the way the church works and the way that this whole situation works of worship is that we all come together, like right now, or in your lighthouse, or wherever, and we each bring something different. And if we bring the same thing, we bring it in different measure. Therefore, if we're going to get the most out of our times together, we must all be actively engaged and involved which is why we're even starting to share more testimonies and give every opportunity that we can to be able to do that in the service. But it also applies to so many things. And so I encourage you to get involved in basic training if you haven't done that yet. The whole point of basic training is to help you identify your gifts and to plug you in accordingly. We want to help you do that. We want to be a church that uses people's spiritual gifts, doesn't plug you in according to a hole in the ship, you know? And sometimes there are holes in the ship. And sometimes some of you are very nice to plug in the hole in the ship at the moment, which is this great. It happens. But the goal, the goal, you know, there's always an ideal and then there's a reality, okay? So the, the ideal and the goal is to identify your gift and for you to use that gift in this church. And so we want to help you do that. So if you haven't done basic training, do that. Get involved in a lighthouse. The people around you will identify your gift more quickly than you will. They'll also correct what you think so that you think you're gifted to do this and they'll tell you you're not. And you can stop pretending to do that, you know. This happens all the time. People want to be pastors, teach the Bible, good hearts. Then they try, and it's like, that's not you, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, fine. it's not anything less. You just, you just find something else to do. This is not. 
And it's good. It's helpful. Just say, okay, not this, but that. All right? We all need to figure that out. All right? So lighthouses help you do that. Light teams is where you can serve and be plugged in. If you're not doing those things, then you're leaving something on the table for the sake of others. And so here's what I want you to take away from this point is that worship is a lifestyle of service, not a service. And a worship service is an opportunity for service. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. It might have been confused for a second. It's like inception. Worship is a lifestyle of service, not a service. Okay? Worship, service, this, is an opportunity for service. You see? And so if I say I want to worship, then I must live a lifestyle of service, not just attend a service. If my version of worship is attending a service, then I have offered to God something he didn't ask for. And I'm giving him what is unacceptable to him, even though it might be acceptable to me. Now, certainly, once again, a service is super important. But you're here, and so I don't think I have to remind you of that. Worship is a lifestyle of service, not just a service. To worship is to serve, not to attend a service. A worship service, therefore, is an opportunity for service. It is an opportunity. There's so many things that need to be done to make this happen. It is a practical way to say, I'm going to plug in and do what needs to happen to make the whole thing happen because what happens when we gather together is so important. And so from every angle, whether it's greeting somebody in the parking lot to taking care of kids to preaching the sermon, all of it works together for us to encounter the Lord. And therefore, we come together and we do what we can to serve. And so this is a little bit of a challenge to those of you who are primarily attending a service as an act of worship, but are not offering your service as an act of worship. Hope there's a, some conviction in your heart. I'm not mad at you, okay? This is very normal. But I'm encouraging you that you are leaving something on the table, both for the congregation and for your own heart. Remember what Jesus said. If you want to save your life, you lose it. And so if you simply come wanting to receive, you will actually receive less than what you want. You see what I'm saying? Why do the scriptures say it is better to give than to receive? You know this. When have you felt the best? When you've offered money to someone who needs it or when you bought something for yourself? You would think, oh, I feel great when I get this thing for myself. And it might have been wonderful, a good steak, you know? You enjoyed it. But you know the difference. When I gave myself to serve and I gave my money away, there's something free happened. And I actually, in the moment that I gave, I received something much better. You see what I'm saying? And so now, when I, if I come here and I want to receive, let me tell you, the best way to receive is to serve. We have this weird idea. I've even had people tell me at church that we serve the community too much. And they would like to be discipled more. And I said, well, serving the community is a form of your discipleship. Do you understand this happens? When you serve, you receive. And you become more like Jesus. And as a matter of fact... It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so if you want to get the most out of Sunday morning, you come to give. And then the Lord gives something to you. And then you receive something you couldn't get otherwise. But if you come just to receive, you won't receive that what you wanted. You won't receive what you needed. 
So you see what I'm saying? This is just to tell you the truth. It's not because, oh, we have a need here. You need to fill it in. The Lord always takes care of that. It's for you to say, you are stifling your growth by thinking you just need to receive and by attending a service. And the Lord wants you to grow. And the way you're going to grow is by serving. I want to help you. I want to help you. You're stifling. You're, there's a ceiling on your spiritual growth right now. And it's because your worship is attending a service, not a lifestyle of service. And I want you to become more like Jesus. And I want you to enjoy that lifestyle of giving unto him. Let me tell you this. You know, if you give back to the Lord, he's never going to leave you empty. Never going to leave you dry. The Lord is very faithful in this. And so I want to encourage you as much as I can to get involved, to start with one simple step. If it's to go to basic training or if it's to fill out a connect card, to come talk to me, to find up somebody you know here that knows things, you know, you're like, how do I do things around here? Okay, we'd love to help you as best we can. Worship is a lifestyle of service, not a service. A worship service is an opportunity for service. Okay, finally, worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice service and worship is a lifestyle of surrender. Look at Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but but overcome evil with good. The simplest word I could come up with to summarize this passage and to continue in the S's was surrender, okay? And the reason for that is everything in this passage requires a complete surrender of the way you would like to live your life and a complete submission to the way God wants you to live your life. I mean, I'm not, I can't even preach the whole thing. There's so many. You could preach each section. But to say, like, okay, I'm going to bless those who persecute me. I'm going to live a lifestyle of blessing those who hurt me. I mean, come on. You can't live a new life with an old mind. You're not going to do that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. No way. Not a chance. I am going to be constant in prayer. Actually, look, verse 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a competition to show more honor to people than they showed to me. I'm going to outdo one another in showing honor. I'm going to live today just honor, 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 honor. I'm on an honor campaign, you know? You don't think like that. Come on. Neither do I. This is not, this is the opposite. It's a surrender. You know what we would like for people to show us honor. That's what we would like. But that's the difference between the altar and the platform. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't live a new life with an old mind. It's a complete surrender. A complete surrender. Do not avenge yourselves, but leave vengeance to the Lord. Oh, come on. How hard is it for us not to try to get even? Right? Every married person knows this. You said that, so pow, you know, I got something to say too, you know. I can match that, you know, go back and forth. I got to get even. And every married person knows that that doesn't help anybody or anything. What, what conversations have ever been healed and gone well when you, were, when you were doing that, you know, when you were avenging yourself? 
That has never worked out, not once in human history in a marriage for someone to avenge themselves. That's not, that's not how it works. You know that. And so it's a complete surrender. It's a complete surrender to how the Lord wants you to live your life and what the Lord wants you to do. So worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice, service, and surrender. Surrender to the way of God. Surrender to the good of other people around you. And to do that as wholeheartedly as you can. A phrase we use as we close for our gatherings, you know, hopefully, but I'll say it again, is that our services are a launching pad, not a landing place. And what we mean by that is not that this service is unimportant. As a matter of fact, it's very important. We mean the opposite. It's just not an end in and of itself. The service isn't a place where you land. The service is a place where you're launched out from to go from worship into worship. The service should empower your Monday through Saturday worship, and your Monday through Saturday worship should empower the service. And these things go hand in hand. The Lord doesn't need necessarily another church service in false church, but he needs a group of people of service to false church. This is what the Lord wants to use in the life of those around us. And to the extent that our corporate services lead to lifestyles of service, then we're living a life of acceptable worship to God. That's what the Lord is looking for from us. And so it would be quite the tragedy to have powerless services on Sunday because we live passive lives Monday through Saturday. Or to have passive lives because we have powerless services. In both places, we need engagement from the body of Christ so that we can see supernatural impact in our hearts and for that to ripple effect out into the world around us. Remember, the Lord is not looking for a service to bless, but the Lord is looking for people of service to bless. Worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice, service, and surrender. Let me pray and let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, most importantly, that you came to serve us. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And so we just copy you now. Help us to be a people who don't simply attend a service, but who live a lifestyle of service. Help us to be a group of people who look for an altar, not a platform. Help us to be a group of people fully surrendered, Lord. Give us a new mind so that we can live according to new ways in you. I pray, Lord, as I've been praying, that you would look upon the earth and that you would find a group of people here that give you what you asked for. And that our worship on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday would be acceptable to you. We love you so much. We thank you for your grace when we mess this up because we do so much. We thank you for your kindness when we worship ourselves and we're so stupid to do that and you're still so kind to us. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy when we're selfish, Lord, and you call us gently back to you to a lifestyle of sacrifice and service. Lord, I pray that every single person in the room would experience this as an opportunity to live a fuller life, not as a burden upon their life. So we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.